Welcome to the Engage Church Duluth podcast, where together we are learning to love God and people better. You'll find links, notes, and insights that go along with this episode at the link in our podcast description and on our website at engagechurchduluth.com. We're so glad you're joining us today. I'm Pastor Josh. It's exciting to have you guys. And, you know, I know every time we're up here, we're like, hey, we only do this once in a while. We just did it two weeks ago. But actually, that's the last time for this year uh, we have the calendar. So I'm excited about that. One thing that I, it was really cool, though, is just um, being able to watch the kids worship. You know, usually they're up here, we're down there, you don't get to see that. And you just got all these kids down there waving their hands and jumping. Uh, for the name of the Lord. And I mean, that's exciting, right? That's our next generation. And those people are investing in our kids. And it's just a wonderful thing. So I like seeing that every once in a while. Yeah, where to start here this morning? There's so much. I I keep telling you guys, last week, I kind of just said, like, God's really stirring a lot of things in me. Um, But I'm not going to take you down all those paths today. But we are going to talk about a little thing, uh, or some of the things here today that have just been on my heart um, that I feel like I just, I, I got to share them with you. Um, it, it's really exciting. And I just think, you know, that if we, the reason that Engage started here, let me start here. See, I'm prepared, I promise, but I am like all over this morning because I'm just excited. But the reason that Engage is here, the purpose that we're here is to connect people with God and to connect people with the church family. I know that sounds really simple, but when you have those two things happening, when, when you connect people with God and connect them, uh, their hearts with God's heart, all of a sudden they align up with God. And there's character transformation. Their life transforms. They become different people. Scripture says that the old dies and the, and the new comes. And, and that's really what happens. If you're here today and you have no idea what you think of God, what you think of Jesus, or even the local church, this is going to be a great day for you. Because I'll be honest with you, some of the things that maybe you found uh, wrong with the local church, the local church probably should have found wrong as well. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Or things that you may reject those are things that we should reject as well. But man, when we, when we talk about bringing people and connecting people with God and connecting with people with the church family, we're talking about something so huge that we all desperately need. Forgiveness. That's something that only God can do. Forgiveness. We all need healing. In some way, shape, or form, we, we need some healing. We need some, some inner strength. We need some encouragement. And scripture says that we confess to one another for that healing. We need each other. This is a big deal what we're doing this morning. This isn't just coming in, sitting in a chair, and filling a space. In fact, that would be what I would call the temple model. Now, this isn't something like scriptural or anything like that, but we're going to kind of talk about that today. Is like the temple model. The temple model was something that religion kind of turned into that it was never supposed to be. And the temple model really talked about a place that you would go, and then there was men, and it, and it was always men at this time, I know, crazy, but it was always men, they'd pull out this scroll, they'd start teaching, you were there to consume and to consume only. That was this temple model. This temple model was all about laws and rules and regulations. And if you didn't follow them to a T, You were judged like in a nasty way, like looked upon. You were pushed out. You were talked about. 
And what that model really produced was something that I think is very ugly. It produced arrogance, right? It produced pride. It produced hypocrisy. And some of you are probably thinking, well, man, that was the church I grew up in. I know, I know. The local church has become something that God never intended it to be. That's the temple model. This place that we go where, where we get what we need for us, for our purpose, we, we fill a seat and we go home and then we come back next week or maybe like once in the month or whatever that might look like. That was the temple mode. And this happened in scripture, you can see it throughout, is where people became all about these rules, all about these laws, all about these regulations, and they became kind of people that I don't personally want to be around. Anybody like to hang out with hypocrites? I did not think so. Not one hand up in here, right? I mean, that's really what the fruit of this was. Now we have the Jesus model. And the Jesus model is way less confusing. It's far less confusing. It's far less complicated. But it is so much more demanding. And this is what I love. It's far less complicated, but it is so much more demanding because Jesus hits the scene and he just causes a mess of everything that everybody thought, you know, church and religion and, 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 and being right with God, he just shattered everything of what people thought. It was, it was far less complicated, but it was so much more demanding for us. Look at, what, look at what Jesus says when he steps on the scene. In John 13, 34, he says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must what? Love one another. So this whole temple model that, ta that was more about doing and showing up at the right time, showing up at the right place, doing the right things, following this criteria, making sure that your, you know, your hair was the right way, your, your clothes were the right way, that you, you, know, you married the right person, you raised your kids the right way. He shattered all of that. And he says, man, I got a new command for you guys. Love one another. And people were like, well, what are we supposed to do with that? I'm confused. You know, it's like, it's like this love one another. Now, everything is this like outward expression of something that's changed inside of you. Last week, we talked about, we talked about the talents, you know. And there was, a, there was a gentleman that his master went away and he gave him five bags of gold. And then there was another one and he gave him two bags of gold. And then he gave one gentleman one bag of gold. And the two that got the most bags, they were like, man, we love our master. We trust our master. We are going to use what he has given us, and we're going to go invest it. And they multiplied it. And the one that just had one bag, he was so, so fearful and so scared to lose anything that he just, he hoarded it. And he went and he buried it in a hole just to hand back his master one bag of gold. His master wasn't pleased. He, he didn't use what he had been given. He didn't invest it. He played it safe and he basically just sat on it and just waited. And a lot of us, we go through our lives and we've been given so much. You have so much talent. You have so much ability. You have so much giftedness. And we're burying it in a hole because we're scared to step out. We're scared to break free and be wild the way that God has attended the church to be. 
The church, the local church, is the example for this world to see who Jesus is. Jesus, when he was walking around on the earth, he said, I am the visible image of an invisible God. You want to see God, you look at me. And now Jesus has gone away, and he's empowered us with the Holy Spirit. And he says, church, you are the visible image of an invisible Jesus to the world. We have power. We have to get this right. We have to get this right. We have to do something. We have to be moved into action. We can't just hide our gold and sit on it anymore. If we want to change ourselves, that character transformation that only God can do, we have to move forward. Baby steps. Baby steps here. I'm not talking about these like long hurdles. We have to move forward. If we want to see a local church change, we have to be engaged. We have to, we have to play our part. We have, to be, we have to love one another enough to seek one another out, to get to know each other so that we can work together. If we want to see a city change, we have to go to the city. We have to be a part of this. You know, when I was in uh, Bismarck, I've told this story a million times, and I'll tell it a million times again, but I was in Bismarck, North Dakota. I was out there working at a meat factory. I know my wife's husband, or my, my wife's husband, my wife's dad must have been super proud, making, you know, $9 an hour, working in a refrigerator. Uh, that was like six years after I married his daughter. Just eating corn on the cob for dinner. I mean, you guys get it, right? Like ramen noodles was like a, a big, big meal in our house at this time. It was scary stuff. And I was working at this church, and one evening, I just felt impressed. This is what the Holy Spirit does. There's power. I've never had anything happen like this before, and I haven't had it happen since. But I just sensed the Holy Spirit putting Duluth on my heart. Duluth on my heart. And so I get up, and I start to kind of Google what Duluth is, and it's like, wow, Port City. You know, I've driven through it. I didn't really know much about it. It starts just tugging on my heart. And I grab this notepad and I write down the, this phrase, love every blade of grass, love every crack in the sidewalk, and love every person there. And it was in writing that that I knew that that was more than just pray for somebody that you might know there. I knew that it was more than like, you know, a baked potato that went bad on me or something like that. I knew that it was a calling in my life to fall in love with this city, to dig roots into this city, a city that my wife and I had never lived in. We only drove through to get to the upper Michigan because that's where I'm from. I knew that that was a calling. And so, of course, I'm like, well, God's called me, so everything's going to be like this, this perfect, every wrinkle's going to be ironed. It's just going to be great. There's going to be a, a place for us to meet. There's going to be people that just, you know, they want to play in the band. There, there's going to be people that love to be down in the nursery, and, and there'll be people that want to take care of the finances. Like, everything that you can think of a local church, like, God's calling this, so it's just going to happen. Yeah, I know. I really did think like that for like a day or two. And then it started to move forward. And this calling became a reality. And, and we hit the ground here. And, and being a, a, just an incredible move, my, my wife and I and three kids, well, two kids at the time, we move into a pull-behind trailer at the Buffalo House. Yeah. Awesome. Really exciting. Hey, hon, I have an adventure for us. We're going to move to Duluth. And, oh, we're going to live in this like, little pull-behind camper. Well, when are we going to be out of it? I don't know. We just got to go there, right? That's a good woman right there to go with me on something like that. 
And then long after, not long after, you know, there's just like, I mean, there's story after story after story. We were going, my, my nephew was having heart surgery, uh, a major heart surgery in Michigan, and we drive over to Superior, and we're driving along US2 there, and we're just, you know, singing little songs like the family's in the car, and then all of a sudden, bam, sideswiped. Right? Nailed by this lady that was going like 50 miles an hour, blew through a stop sign, T-boned us, flipped our car over. It was just absolutely insane. We couldn't make that trip. We had to come back here. It was nuts. Nobody got hurt. My wife got scraped up a little bit. Our kids are still a little bit traumatized by that when they get into a car, but made it through that. We've had many, many great people come through the doors here. And there's been, there's been conflict at times of, of like what we think church might look like and how to reach people. And, you know, you kind of you get in those conversations and, and you, you know, you, you, you have people that are friends move all the way down to Florida, you have family that moves away. Things just got messy right away. And here, this whole thing, I'm like, well, man, I was called by God. He's given me this ability to get excited, wrap people around a vision, and maybe like kind of gather some people. So it's got to be good. It's got to go somewhat easy, right? Not the case. There's not any moment of this that I regret. But I'll tell you what, it has been one of the hardest things that I've ever been through or taken my family through. And I know that some people that are close on the team would say the same thing. It's messy. When God calls us to something, it's messy. And what I want to talk about here today is why we need to join the mess. We need to embrace that mess because there's blessing in that mess. There's blessing for all of us. And God wants us to go somewhere. And see, this, this idea that this early church, you know, when you read in Acts and you see this early church, they were on this movement. They had things happening. They were fellowshipping with one another. They were eating dinner with one another. They were seeing people daily. People daily were being added to their number, the ones who were being saved. We should get excited about that. That was the early church. They kept it simple. You want to know the two things that the early church had that I just think that we have got confused and we've kind of got missed up with this little temple mentality of, of the things that it's not supposed to be about and they just understood it because it was real to them. You want to know what it was? They wrapped their minds and their hearts around the idea of a resurrected Jesus. Like that through God's power, this Jesus that died on the cross for their sins, through God's power, was risen again three days later and is alive and brings about life change. They believed that. Their faith was huge in this area. Didn't question it. Didn't question it at all. And the other thing that they got because of this amazing gift that they had in Jesus through this resurrected Jesus, they just said they understood the principle that the you next to you is where the focus should be. I'm going to do for my neighbor what, I would, what, what Jesus has done for me. And they just recognize this concept of it's not always going to look pretty. It's going to get messy. There's going to be uncomfortable moments. But I'll tell you what, is that the resurrected Jesus has done something in me, and I just know that it's not about me anymore. It's all about you. They got those two things, and you want to know what happened? Bam! They took off. 
The day of Pentecost, Peter's just up there preaching. A bunch of people thought that they were drunk and everything like that. And he's like, no, it's too early in the morning. I'm like, dude, you haven't been to some of my parties that I was at. But anyhow, he's just like, nope, you don't drink that early, that kind of thing. And, 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 and all of a sudden, 3,000 people start a church. 3,000 people, boom, just like that. What do you do with something like that? I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't know what to do. Want to know what they did? They trusted in the resurrected Jesus and they did for others what they would want done for themselves and what Jesus did for them. They got this idea. And listen, I'm not going to sit up here and say that I think we can necessarily, uh, I'm not going to say that if we do this that we're definitely going to change the world. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to throw any guarantees out there. I'm not sure what will happen when we get that principle and we live that out. What I want to say is it's important enough for us to try. Duluth needs a church like this that understands the resurrected Jesus and the power that he has to change and transform your character and understands that it's about others and not ourselves. If we get those two things right, it's not about any system, it's not about any program, it's not about who's standing up here preaching, it's not about what worship's up there, or music. If we get those two things, we will knock it out of the park in Duluth, Minnesota for the name of Jesus. And I say we try. So I have three ideas here today that I want to share with you guys. I am super yelly today, and I apologize about that, but it's really just the passion, the love of God. I'm not here to shame anybody or nothing. This is just me. I just kind of, woo, get out there at you. I apologize for that. That's why nobody sits in these rows right here. They're like, back up. But I want to share three ideas with you as we close up here. Three ideas that I think that we've had confused in the past that Jesus brings us in and says, hey, Join the mess. The mess is good. The mess is good. It's messy. And if we get these ideas, if we can focus on these ideas, these aren't the only ones, by the way. There's other things, definitely. But these three ideas, if we can focus on these three ideas, if we can really stick a flag in the ground individually and say, this is me. I'm not looking back. I'm moving forward. I believe in the resurrection, and I know that it's about others, not me. If we can do these things, I believe that we can change as individuals. And I believe if we can change as individuals, we can change as a local church. And there's nothing wrong with our local church, but I want to keep moving forward. I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. And I believe that Jesus loves you right where you are, but he doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants you to grow. Your faith was meant to grow. If you trust him a little, he wants you to trust him more. If you trust him more, he wants to trust you much. You get what I mean? It was meant to grow and blossom, and our kids think so too, apparently. It's meant to grow. And I think that if we can apply these three things, if we can think about these three things, it'll literally change us and it'll change the course of this local church's destiny. I want to be a part of that. Where am I at in my notes now? Here we go. First idea, first thought, join the mess, is structure. The church is a body, it's not a kingdom. The church is a body, it's not a kingdom. Jesus said to Pilate, Pilate was this guy, he was a governor, and Jesus got accused, and, and he was brought before this governor when he was alive, and, and Pilate's like asking me these questions, like, you know, what, like, okay, you're the king of the Jews, like, where's your kingdom? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not in this world. 
If it was, I'd have all my people gather around here and they'd come save me, but my, my kingdom's not here. And then you have Paul, and Paul talks about the kingdom all the time. Paul talks about this kingdom of heaven. But, but when, he's, when he's writing, what he does is he goes and you see that Paul goes and he plants these churches everywhere. He starts to plant churches, right? And he tells the church, he says, he says that this, it's not, you're, you're not a kingdom. You are a body that functions together. You belong to each other. You need each other. It's the only way that it works. You function together. You all have abilities. You all have giftings. You all have talents. And you need to bring those to the table. See, a kingdom has one thing. It has a king. You're all kind of following that king. The orders. What Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying, is that you guys need to act together and work together. We'll see more in a minute, and we'll, we'll kind of unpack that a little bit. What Paul was saying is that you work together to represent Jesus. And what I would want you guys all to think about is, what about Jesus do people around you see? And I know that that can be like a, a look in a mirror, and it's like, oh boy. But what about Jesus do people see in you? When you go out into your jobs, when you go out into the world, don't let that shame you. Don't let that bring you down. If you felt a little twist in your spirit right there, that's called conviction. Conviction's good because what conviction does is it shows us an area that we need to look at, pray into, and that we can grow. It's a good thing. Don't get shamed. Don't get down. Perk up and be like, wow, the Holy Spirit just showed me something. So in what area are you showing Jesus like that you're working together that you're a part of this body. See, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ, and each of you, each of you, each of you is a part of it. Each of you. So, so what this is saying is, if, if you're not engaged, listen to this now, if you're not engaged with the body the body is missing something. And if you're not engaged with the body, you're missing something. Each of you is a part of it. You are a part of the body of Christ. If you are not engaged with the body, the body is missing something. If, you, if you're not engaged with the body, you're missing something. This is what God intended it to be when he says love one another. Engagement. See, that temple model was all about consume. You know, you would, you would show up to the temple and, and you would be baptized so that, you know, you would make God happy, that he would bless you. You would come and you would have communion so that you'd get on God's good side and, and he'd be thinking about you. you you'd, you'd, you'd listen to scripture so that you can learn and you can grow closer to God. None of those things are bad, by the way. We love communion. We love baptism. They're all powerful. But when you showed up to a place, that was the temple model is like, what is here for me? I'm going for me. I got to, it's me, 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 consuming, consuming, consuming. And again, I don't want this to shame. It's just the truth. Remember, God came with grace and he came with truth. This is just truth to move us forward, okay? It's okay for not getting this right. 
But the truth is, is that some of us are doing the same thing here week in, week out, and we're expecting things to get different. We're expecting our marriages to get stronger. We're expecting our finances to flourish. We're expecting our kids to just kind of get it one day, that, that God is who he is. We're expecting our cities to be changed. We're expecting, expecting, expecting. And as we sit here and consume, the world around us is moving at 100 miles an hour. And it needs the example of the church. The temple model was all about consuming, and Jesus' model was all about engage. Engage. If you're not engaged with the body, the body is missing something. If you're not engaged with the body, you're missing something. You see how that works? It was all about engage. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine if a local church engaged. If we, if we just got that right, this is what my point is here today. If, if we could just get this right, just to be engaged, that, that you brought your abilities, your talents, your giftings forward, and you used them inside of the body, what could God do with this local church? What could he do with this city? If we would just get this, this is what I want us to consider. The second area that, that uh, the, uh, kind of breaking that temple model and, and kind of making a mess of things is Jesus gets on the scene and he just totally goes crazy and, re, and, and kind of brings this principle that authority is exercised for the benefit of the led, not the leaders. So he took the, he took the, the pyramid of leadership and he just turned it way upside down. You know, like if you have the pyramid, it's like the leader's at the top and everybody else just falls under him. Jesus went, leader's at the bottom. Leadership is for the benefit. Authority is for the benefit of the led, not the leaders. And there's some awesome stuff in this that we got to get to. Oh, man, there's a lot of good stuff in this. Matthew 20, 25 says this. G oh, I'm sorry. So, so what's happening is, um, just a little bit of a scene here, is Jesus and his disciples are walking to another town. And, you know, Jesus is out in front and... Um, they're doing their deal, and he starts hearing, like, his disciples, his closest friends, his followers, kind of bickering in the back, like, well, who's going to be next to him in, the, in heaven? You know, like, well, I will, and no, I will. And Because what they understood about authority is the ones who are closest to the leader, they eat better, right? They live better. They sleep better because you kind of benefit from being close. So you want to get as close to that leader as you can. And Jesus, being the teacher that he was, being grace and truth, he says, you know what? Let's stop under this tree right, right here. Everybody gather up. I want to talk to you for a minute. And he says this in Matthew 20, 25. It says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. And again, his disciples would be like, yeah, we get it. Like, we want to be by the leader because we want to eat better. We want to live better. We want to, you know, be seen better. We want to have a better reputation. The closer you are to the leader the better it is. And now here Jesus comes with his messy mind blow that he does for all of us and his truth and his grace. He says this in Matthew 20, 26. He says, not so with you. You've seen how the, the uh, leaders, they exercise authority and they lord it over their people. This is not how I am calling you to live. I'm gonna mess up your whole idea business owners and 
managers out there. This isn't just for nonprofits and church leaders. He says, I'm gonna mess you, I'm gonna mess it up. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. This is about serving others. See that? Where Jesus comes, it's it's simple. It's simple, but it's much more demanding. He says, I demand this out of you. This is my new command that you will love one another, that you will look onto others and you will put yourself under them and you will serve them. Serve them. John 13, 15, 16 says, I have set an example for you. Everybody know that Jesus is our example? It's amazing what we can learn in the Bible. So much stuff to apply. Shows us ways to apply it. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. This is something you should do. We got to listen to this stuff. Very truly I tell you, listen, no servant, servant being you, servant being me, is greater than his master, master being Jesus. So, so forget the fact that, you know, Mr. Holy up here, he's the pastor, and, and thank you for acknowledging me, by the way, and, and thanking us. We, we just want to serve, too. So that's no, no thing. But we definitely appreciate the thank yous. But just because, I'm, just because I'm here, I'm the one that God's gifted to speak. I'm the one that God's gifted to, um, you know, maybe like uh, uh, lead the leadership team or, or anointed to do that and put in that authority does not mean that I am any less of a servant than you. We are in this together I'm just playing a part of this body. I'm just a part of it. And any other authority for that matter, no servant is greater than his master. So we give the master all the credit, and that is Jesus, amen? Jesus. This is our church. This is our local church. And he says, nor does a messenger, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. I want to ask you guys a question. This isn't like, I get it. This stuff isn't like super hard to understand, okay? But I'm just telling you, I've been in ministry for 10 years. My life completely changed. I was like a selfish, selfish person, and God has really changed me, and I'm only just a little bit selfish now. Like I was selfish, selfish. Now I'm like, I'm just kidding. But God's changed me. He's done some things in my life. And, and I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it enough. I don't see it in a wave that I think that God is calling us as a local church of where we put ourselves as a servant for others. And, and I got to tell you, I think we get there accidentally. I mean, schedules are ridiculously, ridiculously busy. And there's all kinds of things to do. And I don't have the answer in every area here, guys. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have to look in the mirror. We have to consider this. This is Jesus. He says, I've set you this example, and this is what you should do. If you are following me, if you're, if you are picking up your cross daily and following me, this is what it looks like. Don't get it twisted. I'm not calling you just to go to a place and fill a seat. I'm calling you to be a part of it. Engage, not just consume. Amen? I just don't want to be making anybody mad today. That's not true. I kind of do. I just want to ruffle some feathers, that's all. But can we just ask ourselves, like, what would happen? What would happen if we just did this? 
If we just said, you know what, we're servant, it's not about me, it's about, the, it's about the you next to me, or it's about the me next to me. It's about the person next to me. And you just serve them. Husbands, serving your wives. Wives, serving your husband. What would happen to marriages in, in our, uh, in our um, churches? All of a sudden, people be looking at Christians, they're like, man, I'll tell you what, they're getting like everything else wrong and I don't know what the deal is with like all the Star Wars and like tucking their pants in super high in the glasses. That was just my youth pastor. It's not anybody now, but, but they're like, man, their marriages are rocking. We can learn from that. Or man, they, they're like, I mean, I don't know what the deal is with this girl that I just hired at work, but all I got to say is like my, my well-being is more important to her than, than even what I'm compensating her. Everybody's going to want to work for a Christian. Now we have influence, we have impact, we can point people, we can connect people with God and connect people with the church family. Because all of a sudden, they start asking, like, why is your marriage doing good? And then you can say, well, man, I just God got a hold of my life a few years back. Things started changing. I started to realize it wasn't about me, and I started pouring myself out. I realized that Jesus is alive, resurrected through God's power, and, and it's just changed something in me. And now I just give myself away, and I just think that others come before me. What? I don't think anybody in the world, that would be like different language. That would hit somebody in the heartstrings. They'd want to know about it. This is why Jesus is calling us to this, because it looks so different. And the final one, the final one here, I couldn't really think of a great way to word this. There's so much in here, so I'll have to explain a little bit. But enjoying the mess is, Having this new idea of holiness, holiness isn't about staying clean. Holiness is about joining the mess. And I'll talk about that for a minute so it's not too confusing. But John, the Apostle John, he starts to write Scripture. And for those of you that believe Timothy that says, uh, you know, all Scripture is God-breathed, we believe that the Holy Spirit, like, he was kind of stuck. He's like, man, how do I put this into words? Like, I'm getting ready to write this letter, and I'm going to talk about Jesus' time here on earth. I'm going to talk about him and some of his example. Like, how do I even put this into words? And if we believe that, that Scripture is God-breathed, we believe that the Holy Spirit inspired him. And his first words in John his first words are, the word became flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Flesh, this divine, this, this set apart, this holy God chose to take on this nasty, dirty, get sick, needing to use the restroom, vomit when we're sick, have these fleshy desires nasty, messy flesh he decided to take on. See, his holiness wasn't about like, I need to set myself apart and I'm gonna stay up in heaven and I'm gonna just point at them and say, you better. And in their serving, it's about kissing my ring and I'm gonna lord it over them. He says, no, I gotta find a way that will compel these people, compel these people and show them how much I love them. He says, I got to join them. I got to join that mess. I got to go down. I got to engage with them. I can't just, I can't just be up here and, and just sit back and watch and let it play out. I got to join that mess. His holiness looked like taking on flesh. Nasty, sinful, 
tainted flesh. It goes on, it says, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of what? Grace and truth. Holiness is not about being clean. See, I know how we get there. I know how we got to that temple model over the last like thousands of years. I get how we got there. Because when you look at the Old Testament and, and you have all these, all these rules and, and you, you have these, these laws that were meant to show us how far away and how impossible it was for us to get there, we, we, start, to, we start to gather and what started as a movement in that early church started to become like, well, now it's like our little membership club and, and we, have to, we have to be careful because it's all about being, you know, sacrimonially clean and you can't touch this meat if you haven't gone through the proper procedure and, and that all came from that Old Testament life. Like we have the Ten Commandments that we grew up on, right? And we think it's all about stuff that it's really not. I see how we get there. I see how we get into that temple model. But Jesus says that is 